Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Join Rabbi Michael Siegel and author Jonathan Eig as they talk about this week's Torah portion of Noah, Hamas in the midst of the flood. These are hard times, and um, I know that we share what our listeners share as well. Um, just a horror at what has happened in Israel and um, trepidation about what's about to happen uh, this week as Biden comes to Israel, but what follows as the Israeli army is, the IDF is uh, amassed on the borders of Gaza and the, this human pilgrimage, this humanitarian crisis is taking place in, in uh, Gaza at the same time. It's just a very chilling time. It certainly is. And um, I don't know about you, but part of it feels extra chilling for me because it feels like this was here all along and we somehow managed to forget that. And it just feels extra painful to me because this is not a bolt out of the blue. It's not a, you know, a random earthquake. It's something that was right under our noses all along. And, and um, maybe for a little bit, in some ways, we forgot that. And, and I think that makes it even more painful. What is it exactly that you think we forgot? What was it that we weren't paying attention to? The hate, the hate that um, is in the world, that obviously anti-Semitism, a hate against Jews, but there's so much, it just reminds me of the, the hate that's out there against so many groups, against, you know, people who are all brothers and sisters, but we have, uh, we have, treated others as enemies, and and, um, and we're just seeing how, how vicious that hate is right now. I've been reflecting about a, a verse that's in the Torah, Am Yashvah Badad, that Israel is a nation that dwells alone. And I think that while the United States and other countries around the world have rallied and stood with Israel, I think that speaking to college students, speaking to people who are normally part of the social justice progressive universe are finding themselves to be alone simply for the sin of expressing concern or solidarity with Israel. It is a kind of a time where it feels as though the morality of the world has been, or many people in the world has been turned on its head. Yeah, and I would imagine that our ancestors felt the same way um, at times, certainly during the pogroms and during the Holocaust. Um, there's a feeling that we are alone. You know, we stand alone in, in the world. Well, I, I have to say that the difference between the periods of the pogrom and our own age, and I talked about this, that the, um, the gathering um, to stand in solidarity at the synagogue, the difference is, is that during the pogroms, we had no country to go to. Right. During the pogroms, we didn't have our own army. We didn't have our own state. We couldn't defend ourselves. And so that makes it different. But yet, it does feel like we are in the midst of a flood, which brings us to our portion. It seems that the Torah is talking to us right now in a, in a very uh, relevant way, overtly. Mm-hmm. It feels like we are in the midst of uh, this is a, a flood and, and it's building. How do we create an ark to protect not only ourselves, 
but also the innocence here and is it possible and how do we manage that? So I want to point out that the portion starts with Noach and the portion starts with these words. Noach ish sadik tamim haya bedoratav. Noah was a righteous man in his generation. If I said, Jonathan Eig is a great author, or I said, Jonathan Eig is a great author of sports biographies. Is that a compliment or isn't it a compliment? How do you, do you how would you under, when you start qualifying things? Yeah, right? you're narrowing the field. Or he's a great author in Lakeview. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, so, well, thanks. Thank you so much. You know, Sarah Silverman has a bit where she says, um, you're one of my four favorite comedians. And she said, well, that means I'm fourth. You know, that's what it means. Right. Right. Well, thank you. It feels good to laugh for a second. But, you know, Noah isn't perfect. He is not perfect, but he does strive to do the right thing. But here's the verse that I wanted to point out, and it's chilling in its own way. I'll read it in English first, and I'll read it in Hebrew. The earth became corrupt before God. The earth was filled with lawlessness. But in Hebrew, it reads, The world was um, corrupt before God. The earth was filled Hamas. The word Hamas means lawless in the book of Genesis, in the Torah, in Hebrew. And there it is. And by the way, it's going to get wow. repeated again. So here's the word. And it's in the midst of the flood. We're dealing with this word Hamas lawlessness. And the rabbis understand this word and they say, here's what it means. They give this example. A person grows, let's say they grow green beans and they want to harvest their green beans. So they put them in a cart and they take them to the market. And as they're walking through the market, trying to get to the stall, everybody takes a green bean because they know that if you have this green bean, No one's going to take you to court, right? You can't be held liable for one green bean. So by the time the guy person gets to the cart, they starve to death because they have nothing to give their family. Mm -hmm. So what this is, isn't a kind of an, you know, on the one hand, Hamas is an overtly violent terrorist organization. But the effect on the world is this kind of cheapening of morality. This willingness to say the Palestinians are victimized, but not talk about who's, who the victimizers are and turning Israel as a kind of, quote, colonial apartheid state. They're the evil ones because they have power and the poor Palestinians are not. But the reality is, is that Hamas is the evil there. It is the violent organization. And yet... In Arabic, the word Hamas is an acronym for Islamic resistance movement. But the Mm -hmm. word Hamas in Arabic means zeal. So here you have two very different views of the world. And what is remarkable is that too many people are subscribing to the worldview that Hamas wants to foist. And not enough on at least a country that's been attacked brutally and violently and immorally 
and yet aren't willing to stand with Israel. It's, it's horrifying. It is horrifying. And it's the definition of the word really shook me. I was not preparing for that. And it's so interesting. It, it, what came to mind for me was the way um, in the civil rights era, both sides used the Bible to justify their claims. Segregationists in the South used the Bible to say that it was proof that black people were intended by God to be inferior. And black people used the Bible to say, we can be better. We can uplift one another. We are all made in God's image. And it's just so striking how hate can be used and the, the word, same words can be used by, by haters. Um, and you know, there's a fine line, I guess, between zeal and lawlessness, and it's a choice that you make. Yes. And here I want to be very, very clear. Hamas is a perversion of Islam this radical Islamic terrorism, that is a perversion of Islam. This isn't a criticism, all right, or a diatribe against Islam, but in the same way that Jews rose up and spoke out against Ben Gvir and the kind of racist ideology that was part of the Israeli government, so too, wouldn't you expect people around the world to speak out against this, where they are justifying murdering people, you know, at a rock concert or raping women or killing parents in front of their children. And yet we somehow are willing to cheapen our own morality based upon some other narrative. And to me, that is just shocking and horrifying. And as a Jew, chilling. No, sadly, I, I agree with you completely, and which is why I said, you know, when we started this conversation, the thing that I'm feeling the most is this frustration about the degree and the breadth of hate that's out there in the world. Um, that there's a there's a there are large chunks who are celebrating this, or who feel like it's something the people of Israel had coming, and that's just it's hard for me to it's hard for me to cope with that. Look, we have kids in the shul, you know kids at the synagogue, and this is prevalent around the country, um, who are actually afraid to stand with Israel. Mm -hmm. The Hillel at Stanford had a thousand kids show up, but they also sent a note out to the Jewish kids that if you're afraid for your safety, we will, help, we will escort you. I mean, think about that. This is at Stanford University that the Hillel sends out a message like that. Yeah if you're afraid for your safety. But I wanna, I, I don't, I don't wanna leave this conversation without talking about Israel for a moment, because Israel is in a very difficult position. We're not talking about how they got into that position, but I wanna just kind of refer back to the Torah again, because it's what I started with, mm -hmm. um, that Noah was not perfect. The rabbis go on and they say, ugh, you know, there, there, you could read this. You could read this two ways. You could say he was righteous in his generation, meaning he really was righteous because everybody else was pretty terrible, and he still maintained his morality. That's one way to read. The other way to read it is, well, he was good in his generation, but if he lived in Abraham's generation, we wouldn't even know who he was. I would say that Israel, in some ways, is the role in the role of Noah. Israel's not a perfect country. Israel makes mistakes just like every other country in the world makes mistakes. But I think that 
the fact that Israel is trying to move a population in order to figure out how to free its own hostages and how to respond to a uh, terrorist organization that has a government that has the sole purpose of destroying the, Jew the only Jewish state and killing Jews around the world, the fact that they are responding and still trying to protect citizens where the government that's supposed to be protecting those citizens is putting them in harm's way purposefully and creating obstacles, right? I think that Israel should be getting credit for attempting to uh, take a, you know, try to finding a moral stance in the midst of the ugliness of war. And that isn't happening. That isn't happening. And I think it's only going to get worse. And I think the Jewish community needs to stand together right now and to be able to acknowledge not only their solidarity with Israel, but call out the immorality. I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Rabbi. I really appreciate your your help in us understanding this and figuring out how to how to be Jews and how to support Israel at this difficult moment. Um, you know, it's um, I think Noah is a great example because he didn't have to be perfect to take action. He didn't have to be perfect to take action. And my words are not to be interpreted as me saying that the killing of innocent men and women and children is somehow okay. But we have to be willing to say that this scenario was not created by Israel. It was not created by Israel. Israel withdrew from Gaza, right? It withdrew from Gaza and gave the Palestinian people the keys. They left greenhouses. They left industries there where they pulled their own people out violently. This is a scenario that has been set up with Hamas and Iran and all the rest to destroy the normalization of Israel within that area of the world to really um, see what they could do to destroy the only Jewish state. It is a moral quagmire to be sure, but I think we need to be able to stand strong as a people, stand behind Israel, understand Israel is far from being perfect, but it is attempting, it is certainly the most moral army in that area of the world. And I embrace that and I celebrate that as a Jew. I hope others do as well. I think we I think we have to. I agree. Thank you, Rabbi.